Here's a news flash. Surprise, surprise. Well, look at you. The whole world is watching for my next move. Oh my God. Times have changed. There are no rules. You're gonna love it. Hey, and welcome to Skip Intro, the podcast from Binge, all about the world's best television. Each week, we're here to discuss the biggest new shows on Binge. My name is John Bowen. I'm here with Ali Hubbard Burns, and together we look after all the great TV and movies that you see on Binge. Ali, this week we are talking about two thrillers. I'm so excited by this week. We have Vigil Season 2, which is back. Some of you may remember Vigil Season 1, which was on a submarine. This time we're not in a submarine, but it's equally good. And then we have a film, an exclusive film that's coming to binge called The Royal Hotel, a new Australian thriller that's only just finished in the cinemas. So super cool to have it so quick. And then for our dinner party recommendations this week, I think we might do like the shows that got us through the year, John. It's normally what we do towards our end of year episode, isn't it? So yeah, like the highlights from 23. Awesome. Well, let's head to the skies for season two of Vigil. Dixon, this is Granger. What are you doing? Get control of Alpha now! Seven murders on Scottish soil. We need to visit the base in Woodyard. But you're okay with it. But I'm not due for another two months, and you put me on this case. You love Woodyard. Nobody tells the truth there either. Somebody told him what we were doing here. Saran Jones and Rose Leslie trade submarines for drones in the new season of Vigil. When an Air Force demonstration turns deadly, DCI Amy Silver is pulled back into the world of military crime. Ali, speaking of shows that got us through years, Vigil was definitely one of our faves last year. It was also... Year before, um, 21. Oh, sorry, year before. 21, we were in lockdown, remember? Yeah, uh, it was also one of the most watched shows in the UK that year. It was a sort of a runaway hit, and we loved it, and our audiences loved it. But I do have to admit, I thought maybe it was just going to be like a lovely one-off because it was such a unique premise. If you've not seen season one, it's Murder on a Submarine. <laughs> Saran Jones is a cop who finds herself on the submarine having to solve this very claustrophobic crime that also sort of intersects with global politics and lots of things. It was a nuclear submarine at the time. Yeah. Our Prime Minister Scott Morrison had just like upset the French by like pulling it out of a submarine. Torpedo deal. The deal. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it was like a, this classic British crime, but in this amazing setting, which was just so thrilling. And then honestly, I was surprised to hear that it was coming back because it's kind of like, oh, how do you capture the magic? Is this going to be like a speed two where they like try to, you know, replicate season one? Also, um, shooting on a submarine's expensive. So I think we all thought, what do they do next? Yeah. And we did start to hear that there was it's going to be sort of Air Force related. And we're like, oh, okay, interesting. But now that it's finally here, A, very glad that they've made season two because it's excellent. And B, I'm glad that they're taking some more big swings and they're not sort of repeating just what we loved about season one. So yeah, like I said in the synopsis up front, there's this exercise where the UK military is sort of showing off some of their fancy new drones. And the drones basically turn on some of the military operators. I think seven people get murdered in sort of the Scottish wilderness. And then, yeah, DCS Amy Silver's brought in to sort of investigate the murder and who was controlling the drones uh-huh. when 
when when it all happened. So that's the Air Force part, isn't it? It's not like Top yeah. Gun. It's actually kind of looking at the future of a bit like- Future of warfare, yeah. Yeah, the first vigil was talk, looking at kind of nuclear submarines, which sound like a good idea because from a war perspective, they can stay down below for longer. But like if things go bad, things can go bad. And this is a bit the same, isn't it? It's like drones seem like a great idea. You don't have to put pilots at risk. You've got people on the ground kind of remote controlling. But, yeah, I love how this show kind of forces you to think about how things actually work and a bit like looking into the kind of politics and the ethics of the military as well. So, yeah, it's just at its core it's a really good murder mystery. You've got a cop coming in to a workplace to investigate. The thing on this one is just that she's investigating a military workplace. It's kind of the connective tissue of it. But, yeah, some of the added interesting elements of this is, as you said, because drones can be controlled remotely from anywhere, some of the drones that were being controlled during this military exercise in the first episode were being controlled by some UK forces overseas. And the reason they were doing this big demonstration is because they were looking to sell a bunch of drones for, no doubt, billions of dollars to some foreign nation. So it also kind of gets into, like, you know, the the ethics of selling weapons and all that kind of stuff. Which so our country does to other countries. Which yeah. all basically all countries do. Yeah. So once again, touching on some really, really interesting stuff. Like we said, Saran Jones and Rose Leslie are back. I love they them. Are in, they are they are in a relationship which sort of blossomed over over season one. But you don't have to watch season one, do you? Like it's no, kind of not at all. standalone and other yeah. than some of the yeah relationship components. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, so I'm only a few eps in. There are six in total. We won't just be taking place in the UK. I think there's going to be a little bit of globe trotting. But yeah, very excited. Do Grey Scott joins the cast as one of the new faces. But yeah, if you've not seen season one, watch season one would, would, would be my first recommendation or streaming on binge. I think in 2021, you caught it like, yeah, one of the best things of the yeah, year, didn't you? you loved absolutely it. one of my faves. And of, from the of makers the of The Bodyguard and yeah, like twisty yeah. good English stuff. Season one has has this amazing opening scene with a boat and the submarine and everything. And equally, season two has this great opening scene with this sort of drone exercise going to rise. So, yeah, it's really compelling. And it's that great intersection of like action and sort of detective crime drama. So it's like something for everybody. Good, good bit of co-viewing. But yeah, like we said, all episodes of season one streaming for you right now. And the Brits love to do their sort of big epic multi-day rollout of shows. So we're really happy to be able to fast track Vigil to you. But what they're doing is dropping a new episode every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday for two weeks. So depending when you're listening to this, all episodes are probably available. But if you want to wait and binge, they'll all be up on Wednesday, December 20th. We're all suspects. Yes, of course we are. To kick her ass down. Are you asking me if I did this? Why were you there? Those drones are tools for oppression. Your dad didn't do anything wrong. Police! What evidence do you even have? I have enough. You should try to complete your work quickly. They are lying to you. Look up. Julia Garner, Jessica Henwick, and Hugo Weaving star in the new Australian thriller The Royal Hotel, following two backpackers who take a job in an outback pub only to find an unnerving and sinister tension begins to arise with the mostly male population of the mining town. Physically, it's not a very demanding job. The only thing that can be a little bothersome is the remoteness of the location. Will there be kangaroos? We're on vacation. We should be on a beach somewhere. We have sunshine and booze in a box. Let's put up with it for a few weeks. Make some cash. It'll toughen us up. 
Ali, there's been some great reviews for this new Australian film. Two of the sort of shout outs that I liked was one called an Outback Noir, which, which is good. And the other one described it as a feminist thriller. So if that hasn't sold you on it, I don't know what will. Yeah, get on it. Get on it. Look, I was I was drawn to this project initially by who's involved in it. Kitty Green has co-written it and directed it. Some of you will know her for The Assistant where Julia Garner starred and so they're kind of reunited in this. Julia Garner you might recognise from Ozark. It also, as you mentioned, stars Hugo Weaving but also the brilliant Australian actor Daniel Henschel who's done so much, Snowtown, Babadook, Monsieur at Origin, but is also going to be starring along with Hugo Weaving in our upcoming binge original film, How to Make Gravy. So yeah, there's just some really great performances in this. It's not a twisty thriller. Like it's just the anticipation of what's coming is building. It's in tension a creepy and way. sinisterness and something sort of just underneath the surface that keeps, you know, occasionally pops up. And yeah, it's it's very well done. It's a beautiful setting. I think we've all been to an old country pub. But I think, I think if you Google uh, the Royal Hotel, there'd be like yeah. 500 of them come up with them. Yeah. But yeah, for these two young backpackers who've been living the life in Sydney for a bit, need some money, head to the outback. And uh, yeah, it's a real, it's a real culture shock. There's a lot of fragile masculinity or toxic masculinity or toxic fragile masculinity yeah. in, in the town. Um, and just so much casual sexism and stuff, isn't it? It's just, yeah, yeah. like even if you just watch the trailer on this to get a sense of it, some of it straight away, what comes through. But yeah, Hannah and Liv are good friends, Americans. They've taken this job, as you said, because they need some money. It's only supposed to be for a few weeks. Hugo Weaving's the owner of the bar. He and his wife own it. And then there's kind of two men involved in the story, aren't there, predominantly, that are kind of not dating, but kind of wanting, yeah, to be with the girls, one of which kind of lead guy Dolly played by Daniel Henschel. But, and then the, the two friends have kind of a different response to the environment they find themselves in, which takes them apart and keeps putting some tension through them. But I don't want to give it all away. But on top of the people behind this, including the producers and, and Seesaw Films, is it's inspired by true events. So I love. Yes, that's what I wanted to shout out. Yeah, yeah. which you know, um, it's always so interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it's in, uh, inspired by a documentary called Hotel Coolgardi. I watched the trailer for Hotel Coolgardi after watching The Royal Hotel, and there's some, yeah, some really striking moments. Like you said, Ali, it is from Seesaw Films, who, if people don't know, incredibly successful Australian production company. Mm-hmm. They've done The King's Speech, Shame, Lion, The Power of the Dog, just from a few years ago. So, yeah, it's amazing. The horses. Yeah, amazing pedigree. It's such a unique film. It's such a unique setting. And even as an, I think... I don't know if an Australian watching it will have a slightly different experience to a non-Australian watching it because obviously there's some sort of funny moments where, you know, they order a Foster's, which obviously <laughs> like nobody All does. Drinks Foster's. Uh, Remember that and- during the Olympics, in Sydney Olympics? <laughs> Foster's like were the sponsor and every bar in Sydney kind of replaced all their taps with Foster's and we're all like, what? Yeah. what the hell? No one drinks Foster's. And even when they first meet Hugo Weaving and he says the C word and there's kind of this discussion about, you know, Australians have a different relationship to that to, than Americans do and things like that. So, yeah, it is this fish out of water story, but even as an well, it's fish out of water for an Australian because the, the Royal Hotel is is a pretty foreign experience for most people. Yeah. I mean, it's um, properly isolated. It's like there's like yeah. 50 people in the town or something, isn't it? And there's no reception and... Yeah, but it's very compelling. You could almost watch the trailer and think maybe you're getting into a horror or something, but it's not. It's more sort of a sizzling emotional tension to sort of underlying stuff as opposed to, you know, murders and guns and stuff. Yeah, it's it's not not Wolf Wolf Creek. Creek. (laughs) (laughs) 
But the, again, we won't spoil it. Just watch the film. It's great. The other amazing selling point for me is it's a solid 90 minutes. Yes, like, yes, like yes. Chef's, chef's kiss to the duration. I think <laughs> I think it's like 80, 84 minutes by the time the, the credits start. So a great, you know, Friday night or Sunday Arvo watch. Yeah, and I just, you know, I love getting behind projects from great Australian creatives, as you say, but like this has only just been in the cinema. It went kind of the festival circuit, I think Toronto and Telluride Film Festival and stuff this year, but it only went to Australian films on November 23. And here we are a couple of weeks later with it. Yeah, it's not really a Christmas film, but I just figure like over summer, people are relaxing. It's, it's maybe... definitely a summer film. Yeah. You can feel the heat. You can, <laughs> can't you? And you did, lots of people might not have a busy time of the year, haven't had a chance to get to the cinema to see it. So if you've missed it or you've read about this or you've heard about it, it was also at South by Southwest. Yeah, I just love that we got it on binge and like I said just stellar cast and really great creators behind it and I look forward to hearing what people think awesome well the Royal Hotel is streaming for you on binge from December 15th this Friday depending on when you're listening we're leaving we're out where are you gonna go eh bus is not for two days I'm scared of everyone and everything in this place make what you can get on the bus and go okay Ali it's mid-December the year's wrapping up. This is Dinner Party Recommendation, part of the show. We normally talk about what we've been watching this week, but should we maybe mention some of our faves from the year? We should absolutely should, should we? I haven't done my research and gone back and looked at all the things that we've talked about this year, John, which probably would have been helpful. But when I just think about the big storylines and the kind of the TV moments that got us talking this year, I don't think any is bigger, certainly for the first part of the year, than Succession, which started in March and rolled gloriously through for nine weeks, I think it was, 10 weeks in yeah. the end. We had the shock of, spoiler, Logan Roy's death, which didn't happen at the end. It kind of happened right at the beginning of the season and just the impact that then had and just the ultimate water cooler television. I just loved how people were devouring it and I'm so thankful that I got to see it before I read the headline because I just yes. had I just remember getting to the end of that episode and just feeling like wow like you just seen something there were so many unique talkable moments in that that I just I just absolutely loved that this year I was just so sad when it finished but yeah I don't know For April feels a long time ago when it finished don't you reckon like when you think about yeah it, yeah I was only talking to someone about Succession last night and it was like, oh, it was this year. But yeah, <laughs> it was a beautiful nine weeks. I wanted to shout out the other two, which oh, I was yes. absolutely thrilled that we got to get all episodes of that up on binge finally. And we fast tracked the final season and that show had a great send off. There's three seasons, they're half an hour. It's a legitimately funny, funny sitcom and definitely a little underrated and underseen. So we were thrilled that our audiences embraced that. I'm going to be incredibly predictable and just say Taskmaster. <laughs> I can't get enough of it. And between the UK and New Zealand, we get about 30 eps a year of it. I watch it every Saturday and it's just the joy of my weekend. It is so, so. fun. It's so fun. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to jump around and give something a little bit different in terms of tone and sensibility, but Smartless on the Road, which is the series that accompanies the podcast from Jason Bateman, Sean Hayes, and Will Arnett. Talk about something that the clips went crazy, talkability, and just seeing an insight into a really unique friendship and some really cool conversations on the road. These guys kind of touring their podcast, weren't they? But it was all the moments in between them being on stage that I loved seeing them. Yeah. Sit As, I think when we talked and... about it, I'd mentioned that I hadn't seen the podcast and I wasn't really sure what I was getting into when I started watching the documentary. But it, yeah, it was just so compelling. And yeah, our audiences absolutely ate it up. 
I feel like I would be, what's the word? I'd be a mess. <laughs> to not mention The Idol. Yeah. It's it's the show that ran straight after Succession, filled that Succession hole in our schedules. And it was just such a unexpected show. I found myself not being able to turn away from it. I Like I was rushing to watch the episodes every week. You kind of didn't know where it was going or what really it was saying, but it had just had such interesting talent on and off screen and... Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's going to be a bit of an anomaly in sort of TV history, mm-hmm. but it, it certainly took some big swings. So, and it got people talking. It did. It did. Another one that came out around the same time is called Based on a True Story. It's a soapy, super easy to watch. It's not based on a true story or true crime. It's just a really interesting, cool drama starring Kaylee Cuoco of a couple in California following a murderer on the loose in their neighborhood. But I love and, and they decide to make a podcast. They decide to make a podcast, <laughs> just like us, John. Yeah. But really, I just liked it. It was fresh. It was pacey. It was gripping. There were some twists and quirks. I love their relationship. A great hook at the end. I know they're working on a second season. Can't wait yeah. for that to come in. And it's got one of the best um, acronyms of a TV show. Yes, based on a true story. Everyone called it Boats. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, great great shorthand for a show. We, we, we loved Boats this year. Everyone um, in the office. I don't know if it's all the marketing people. They love an acronym. Yeah. Everything's yeah. short. Even, even, <laughs> even when it makes absolutely no sense. I know. R H O B H shape. Real Housewives of also, Beverly Hills season two. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Producer Dan also is insisting, rightly so, that we shout out the telemarketers, which was another show that definitely went viral amongst my group of friends. It, this was a documentary series about some very shady, very colorful telemarketers. It was executive produced by the Safdie brothers, and a lot of it was sort of handicam footage. But yeah, super compelling. Yeah, great. Great call, Daniel. Um, What's another one of yours, John? Again, very predictable of me, but absolutely just could not get enough of the backside of television season yeah. two, which we had earlier so this Mitch. year. We've got Mitch, new one you. coming soon. We've got, yeah, end, end of year special coming up. And yeah, just some amazing stories from Australian TV history from, you know, play schools, war on Sesame Street, uh, yeah, all, all sorts of shenanigans that have happened in Australian history. So yeah, we love that. We had two new binge originals this year in the reality space. And the first one was F-Boy Island Australia with Abby Chatfield hosting where we had three women in control of who they dated. We kind of flipped the dating show on its head, took some people up north into the sunshine and ladies had to work out who was a nice guy and who was an F-Boy. It went off. It was so fun and so popular and, yeah, another highlight of the year for me. Yeah. And it's coming back. Coming back and soon. We're currently casting. In the reality vein, I know we're still airing it, but Real Housewives of Sydney. We brought it back after a six, six and a half year hiatus and a few years after the last Melbourne season, seven fabulous new housewives for everyone to get to know. Well, sorry, two returning, five new. We've got the reunion still to come this year, comes next week. But it's going to be explosive. It's going to be explosive. But I just love how it's back, how great Sydney looked. We got to meet some new people and just seeing kind of how their friendships developed. And I just love the trips and the adventures that they went on. They went up the coast in Sydney but also to Tokyo, which was super cool to see on screen. And I just love how it's been so popular, kind of growing every week and just, yeah, got everyone talking and entertaining them, which is, is what we want. One of my favourite films was Triangle of Sadness, uh, yes. which yes. is kind of, I think at the time we said, it was like white lotus meets below deck. I don't know. It's like yeah, yeah, it's yeah. kind of like a, that, that sounds yeah. so lazy because they're both just on boats, but that's not what it is. It's kind of like 
classes clashing. Yeah. yeah. Told through a dramatic story with a huge twist at the end. Didn't think yes. that was coming. Okay, I'm really not allowed to. What about Nolly? We liked Nolly at the beginning. Oh, of the year. Was, oh, that was this year, of course. Oh, was, Nolly was so year, good. Didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's enough. So much, so much good stuff. <laughs> what All about is- Love Me season two? <laughs> oh my god, I loved Love Me. That came at Easter. <laughs> sorry, I'll stop. I interrupted. Love Me. Love Me. Of course. Okay, sorry. Love me. All right. We talked about Vigil, we talked about Royal Hotel, and we talked about our many, many faves of the year. All of these are streaming for you now on Binge, which, of course, you can find on your favourite device. This podcast was produced by Dan Barrett with audio editing and mixing by Chris Yates. And we'll be back next week to talk about some of the shows that are coming up on Binge in 2024. So we will see you then. <laughs>